Hey, Heritage family, it's so good to gather together again as we press into worship together. You know, this month is a month where we often think about transitions and parents, dads and grads. And in both of those areas of life, we're reminded of who God is actually in Scripture, of who He invites us to be and how He goes ahead of us. That God is really a perfect Father. And that in the transitions of life, as we step into new seasons, new opportunities, and say goodbye to what has been, He is going ahead of us. In fact, in one passage of Scripture, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, and He asks them, which of you fathers, if your child asked for bread, would give them a stone, or would give them a snake instead of a fish? And He says, none of you would do that. How much more would your Heavenly Father make sure that you're taking care of? It's a reminder for each of us, even as we press into worship today, that ours is a God who goes ahead of us, who cares for us, who is doing exceedingly and abundantly more than all we can ask or think. He wants to be connected and engaged in our lives right now. And so it's with that in mind that we invite you to press into worship today, to worship our God who is Father, our God who leads us in the transitions of life, our God whom we know we can trust and rest in. So let's worship Him together right now.
resurrection is living in me. The same glory, the same witness, his resurrection is living in me. The same power, the same spirit, his resurrection is living in me. The same glory, the same witness, his resurrection is living in me. The same power, the same spirit, his resurrection is living in me. The same glory, the same witness. You see an empty tomb. 
trees You go before us Nothing can stand against the power of our God You shine in the shadow You win every battle Nothing can stand against the power of our God In almighty fortress You go before us Nothing can stand against the power of our God You shine in the shadow You win every battle Nothing can stand against the power of our God In almighty fortress You go before us Nothing can stand against the power of our God You shine Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. 
believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. The Bible is not discreet about our relationship with God. It is clear God is our Father and we are His children. In fact, God is identified as our Father 265 times in Scripture. Most of those are found in the New Testament because through Christ we have a new identity as an adopted child of God. Now, adoption is something that is near and dear to my heart as I have an adopted daughter. An adoption is a beautiful act, but it also has its challenges. She is part of our family, there's no doubt about that. But we do have to remind her about our love for her and her part in our family from time to time. And we can do the same with God. We're adopted into his family, but many times need reminding of that fact. And Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In Galatians 4.7 it says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is why it's so important to understand that God is not only our Father, but He is a good Father. You may believe that you are a child of God, but do you believe, I mean really believe to your very core, that you are loved by God? This can be a, a difficult truth to grasp, even for the most fervent believer. His guilt and shame and sin can prevent us from believing and experiencing the love of God. Bitterness and past experiences remain in our hearts and our minds over the years, and we can grab hold of a lie that He wants good for others, but not for ourselves. Now there is story after story in the Bible about how God acts as Father. And as we pray together today, I'm going to invite you to simply close your eyes and hear a few of these stories, and then afterwards I'll pray a short prayer each story. First, he embraces the prodigal son and the older brother. Father, thank you for being loving, accepting, and patient with me. The next story is that he takes care of, of the sparrows, but says he cares much more for his children than even the sparrows. And so, Father, we thank you that you provide for all of our needs. It says he goes after every single lost sheep until it is found. Father, your pursuit of me, your pursuit of us is amazing and humbling. You are always there for me 
You are always there for us, and you never tire of looking out for the lost. God, you are a good Father. We remind ourselves today, over and over, that we are your children, and you are our Father, and we love you. Amen. Hey Heritage, it's so good to be together today. And as we spend some time in worship, as we spend time in prayer, and now as we dig into the word of God together. Now, if this is your first week joining us, we're in this, this these series of conversations called Fit for Life. And really all these conversations are, are how do we be fully present? How do we receive all that God has to offer us in our minds, in our body, in our spirit, and in the community we find ourselves in? Now, I know in my own life, God has used these conversations to help me identify areas of my life that I've been holding, back, holding myself back uh, to, to be in new levels of understanding of who God is and what he's calling me towards. Now, one of the biggest realizations that I've had throughout these conversations is how connected my, my mind, body, and spirit actually are. And I've, I'm finding this in, in a lot of areas of my life, and it's so awesome. And I'm excited for today's conversation because really it's a continued conversation from last week as Pastor Jeremiah kicked off this new bucket of conversation, a conversation around Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give us a little bit of a framework of Holy Spirit so we're on the same page. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of the Trinity, that there's God the Father, there's Christ the Son, and then there's Holy Spirit. What this helps us understand is that Holy Spirit is actually a person. He's the part of God that manifests himself in our lives. He actually comes into our lives the moment we become Christians, the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus. So last week, Pastor Jeremiah kind of created this theological framework. Now, I don't want you to be confused by that. Really, theology is just the study of God so that we can understand and know him more. So he, he gave us this framework to help us understand who Holy Spirit is and what he does. And he did so really by providing three main points. Now, I'm not going to unpack these too much. If you, if you missed this, this conversation last week, I would encourage you to go to heritageqc.com and go back and watch it because it's powerful and God's going to speak to you through it and gives us a great understanding of Holy Spirit. But here are the three points that he made. The Spirit is life. Number two, that we are sons and daughters of God. And then finally, number three, his third point is that the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And this third point really does lead us into what we're going to look at in scripture today. 
Like, today we are going to take a real look at some of the challenges that we face in our walk with God as we walk in the Spirit. Because the reality is, and you know this, if you're a Christ follower, even though we have the Spirit of God in us, we still have this tension and we still have these sinful desires that are raging at war within us. And my brothers and sisters, if you're walking with Christ, you know that we will face trouble, that we will face opposition, even with the spirit in us. There is a spiritual battle going on within you, within me. And it's the spirit of God within us in the flesh that are going head to head with each other. It's our sinful desires and they're continually going against each other. And, as, and we as Christ followers, we feel that tension, right? So we're going to talk about that battle. We're going to talk about some of the struggles we find ourselves in, in that battle. But hear me, I don't want to continue this conversation without you knowing today that this conversation, it's not about hopelessness. It's not about despair, but it's an invitation to experience victory and freedom in your life and step into all that God has for you. My friends, we have been given the greatest battle plan to win the war waging within us. So let's just jump right in. We're gonna start by looking at Galatians 5, verse 16, but really we're hanging within that chapter. We're, we're hanging through verses 16 to 25. Okay, so let's read verse 16 together. Paul says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So right off the bat, Paul, he gives us the answer to win the battle, to walk in the spirit. That is the answer. But that doesn't seem like enough, does it? We're like, okay, Paul, what do you actually mean by that? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? And, and, and better yet, what does it look like to live that out in our daily lives? And in, the same, and in the same token, what is the flesh? What does it mean to gratify our flesh? And how, how do we know if we are gratifying our flesh or walking in the spirit? How can we tell? Well, you know how there's some passages of scripture that take some time to wrap our heads around? Like you read it five times and you're like, I still don't get it. And then there's other passages of scripture that are just like super direct and, 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 and straight on and it's super clear. So really, uh, this isn't one of those passages, right? Paul answers these questions head on. So right away, he's actually identifying two main ideas, to walk in the spirit and the desires of our flesh. Now I wanna give you a simple definition of both today because I've done a lot of study over the past couple of weeks about these two topics. And um, there's a lot we can know about them, but the, re the reality is it comes down to a simple definition. So let's talk about what Paul means by gratifying the desires of our flesh. Now, I think a big problem with this is oftentimes we think of the flesh as our physical bodies and what we do with them, right? We think of our actual flesh, our skin and bone. But when Paul is talking about according to the flesh, when you look at the original language, he isn't referring to just our bodies. Here's what he's referring to. Here's the definition. It's any way of living, thinking, and doing that does not honor God. That's what Paul's talking about. Any way of living, thinking, and doing that does not honor God. So when we look at the entirety of scripture, we actually find that our flesh is the whole nature of who we are apart from God, right? Like it's the part of who we are that lives in rebellion against God. Really, it's our flesh is our sinful desires and we all have them. That's why this conversation is really important for all of us because we all are acquainted to the works of the flesh because we were born into sin. Scripture tells us that in Romans 5, 12, that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. 
And in this way, death came to all people. Parents, I don't need to, I don't need to drill this point for you. You know this to be true, right? There's, there's an analogy that goes like this. You don't need to teach a child how to lie. Now, if you're a parent, you know that to be true. It just kind of comes up within them over time, right, as they get older. And in the same conversation or same idea, right, like, like my child's first word was mama and dada. But quickly after that, their, first, their, their next word was mine. I didn't teach them to be selfish. I didn't teach them not to how to not share with their toys. They just kind of did that naturally, right? So already, Paul has given us the key, right, to walk in the spirit. But let's define that. So we've, we've kind of identified and defined what does it mean to gratify our flesh? What is the flesh? And now we're going to look at a definition of what it means to walk in the Spirit. And here's what it means. To walk in the Spirit means living under the direction and guiding of Holy Spirit. And I think it's so interesting that Paul uses the word walk here. I actually love it because actually Paul uses the word walk 30 times in all of his epistles, which kind of shows that, that this word walk is his, his favorite way of defining the Christian walk. It's his favorite way of defining the Christian life. And I love that because it helps us see that our relationship with Jesus is a journey. It's a journey. We take steps forward and sometimes we take three steps back, right? And when we think of a journey as starting from point A to point B, it's not just like we're automatically at point B. There's a lot that happens in between. It's a lot like, our relationship with Jesus. When we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and receive him as our savior, that's point A, right? But that doesn't automatically mean that we've arrived. We're not at point B. It doesn't mean as well that, that, that we won't have our sinful desires within us anymore. But the reality is, is that there's this huge in-between space called life that has its ups and its downs, right? But it doesn't mean that we have immediate victory. There isn't, there's a lot of in-between space. It's a daily journey, a daily walk in relationship with Jesus. All right, so now Paul's given us kind of a good understanding of these two terms. And he's gonna give us a little bit more depth about these. Okay, so let's just keep reading verses 17 through 18. It says this, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is in contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. My friends, our souls are at war. Listen, every single one of us here today, whether you're walking with Jesus or not, you are at war. If you are not given to the Spirit, if you are not walking with Jesus, and it's just the flesh at work within you and the Spirit is not there, then your war is really against God. And it can't be won. Your, your war is against God because apart from God, we are just in our sin, right? But if you are a believer, if you are given to the spirit, if you're a believer, Romans 10, 9 helps us understand that. If you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and, and you have believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are a Christ follower. And you now have Holy Spirit within you teaching you right from wrong and changing your heart. You've laid down this old battle, but you've also now kind of picked up a new battle. And, and picked up a battle where now your spirit is waging war with your flesh. So you now have two sets of desires, the desire of the spirit and the desire of the flesh. Now, man, that, that tension is so real in my own life. Is there ever a scripture that just jumps off the page at you? That's like, man, okay, God, you're speaking to me. That is totally me. This is that for me. This, this, this part of scripture is, speaks to me because there's this very real part of me that loves God that, that wants to serve him, that desires to, to honor him. 
But then there's this natural bent in me. It's, it's this bent towards sin, towards things that, that I want, that my flesh wants. Like, I don't want to spend time with God sometimes. I don't want to pray. And there's moments where I don't want to be in the presence of God because I don't want him to see what's going on inside, right? Now, we have to kind of stop and understand what Paul is not saying in this verse. There's two things. Paul is not saying that experiencing this tension means we're not spiritual. I don't even think Paul is saying that experiencing this tension means that, that we are spiritually unhealthy. In fact, I think it's a sign that there's real life happening within us. It's a good thing. If you're feeling this tension, pat yourself on the back. It's a good thing because when the spirit of God is within us, he corrects us, he convicts us, he teaches us right from wrong. He guides us into truth and freedom. He changes our ways of thinking and he gives us power to to overcome our flesh. Here's the second thing he's not saying. He's not saying that these forces within us are equal. Jesus himself said to his disciples that it's a good thing that I'm leaving you because I'm going to be sending you someone much greater that is going to walk with you in life. My friends, don't get this twisted. Holy Spirit is infinitely stronger than your desires. And he's given us that power within us so that we can know truth. But here's the thing. This is a big point we have to stop and look at today. God has given us freedom. Paul actually talks about that in the beginning of this chapter, that he's given us freedom to either rely on ourselves or to rely on the power of the spirit within us. In other words, you could say it like this. We have a choice. We can either choose more of ourselves or more of God. We can either come to the end of ourselves and surrender to Holy Spirit's leading experience, freedom and victory, or we can choose more of us. Now, the rest of the conversation today is really based on that understanding. We have to understand it. We have to know what we're talking about. It's either more of ourselves or more of God, my friends. Paul is gonna show us exactly what each of those things will look like on the other side. He's gonna get really practical for us, so practical that I'm not sure we're even gonna wanna hear it. (laughs) Okay, so are you ready? Let's just jump right in. And I wanna remind us, Paul here is not talking about the unbeliever. He's talking about the church. He's talking to the church. So let's read this, verses 19 through 21 that we'll pick up there. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, whoa, (laughs) and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some of you checked out after a couple words because you're like, okay, I did not come to church today. I did not start watching this sermon today thinking that I was going to hear one of my pastors say some of these words, right? Like, and then there's some of you that are looking at this list and saying, okay, pastor, right? I don't struggle with like six of these things. It does not apply to me. But listen, I want to read this passage again in the message translation because I think it gives us kind of a, a general look and a deeper um, cultural understanding of what this could mean for us today in our in our current context. So let's read it. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all consuming yet never satisfied wants a brutal temper, 
and impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. And then Paul says, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. I find it so interesting that in this passage, we might be tempted to think that some sins are major and then there's some sins that are just minor, right? If I'm not participating in these major sins, I think I'm okay. Because I, I just struggle with these things here and there, the minor things that really don't matter to God. But we have to notice something here. Paul lists these things all together. And he says that these are behaviors of those who ignore the promptings and leadings of the spirit of God. So really Paul is identifying an important truth about the flesh. And that's this, that the flesh produces death. Paul is saying that those who practice these types of things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a bold statement. Some of us are like, whoa, I saw myself in that list. Like, what do you mean, Paul? I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But listen, that, let's not get confused here. Paul is identifying that if a person is living in ongoing or habitual ways like, like these things, and that tension that we're talking about between our spirit and our flesh, if that war isn't waging within us and the spirit isn't there, and we're simply choosing to live in sin freely, then that suggests that the spirit of God is not in you. That really all that's there is your sin nature. Now, <laughs> I already told you today that this conversation, it's not about despair or hopelessness. And we might be tempted to think that after hearing that passage. But this conversation today is victory. And it's true, we were all hopeless and living in sin before we knew Jesus. Now listen, if you're hearing this for the first time today, it's okay because God desires a relationship with you and you can choose to step into that relationship today and he will change you from the inside out. The spirit will enter you. He will change your way of thinking. He will change your desires and he will place your, your desires on him. You're gonna begin to see things in a new way. He'll change your heart. He will give you everything you need to live a godly and holy life. And you can start a relationship with him today. If you'd like help walking through that process or would know, want to know how to do that, you can actually text the word faith to the number given to you on the screen. And we would love to show you what that, what that looks like and how that's lived out. And we'd also love to celebrate that with you. Now, for all of us here today, each of us can relate to some of the sinful desires on this list, right? Paul told us, he already told us, even though the spirit's within us, and it teaches us and corrects us and shows us truth and how to honor God, we still have this inward desire and temptation waging at war within us. So here Paul has identified that, that the flesh leads to death. Now Paul is gonna show us the other side of the coin. And it's so good, my friends, it's so good. What happens when we choose to walk in the spirit? Let's read verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there are no, there is no law. And then check out this next part. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the spirit, we live by the spirit, right? Let us keep in step with the spirit. My friends, the spirit 
produces life. The spirit produces life. And Paul is saying that that spiritual growth, it should look like bearing fruit. These things should come as a result from walking with Jesus in our relationship with God. In other words, the fruit is something that we can't muster up on our own. The fruit of the spirit is a a byproduct of walking with God and honoring him. It's not something we produce, but it's the spirit that produces it over time. Now just take a second. Compare both of these lists. I felt so good listening to the list of the Spirit, right? It makes me come alive. And and I want my life to produce these things. How many of you want your lives to produce these fruits of the Spirit? And not just one of them. I want all of them. I don't want to have to tell people that I follow Christ. I want them to see it in my actions. I want them to see it by these fruits being lived out within me in my life. And my friends, listen, if you walk by the Spirit, you will. Hear me. Here's the reality. We all have the ability to produce fruit because God created us in his image and he actually created us and designed us for communion with him. He plants the seed. And as we receive him, as we allow the Spirit to grow within us, he grows us. And we will eventually see these fruits in our lives. Now, I want to just acknowledge something right now that some of you may be hearing this today and feel like you're just in the ring with your sin. I knew that was going to be a reality as we have this conversation, but I want to provide hope for you today because this is a, this is a message of victory. Okay. If you feel like you're in the ring with your sin and you're asking, how long am I going to keep being defeated? How long will sin keep swallowing me alive? How long will it overpower me? Listen, some of you here today, you might want to give up. You might want to throw in the towel and you're like, listen, this is too hard. Following Jesus, it's too difficult. I can't take it anymore. When am I going to be free? Right? Scripture tells us that when the sun sets us free and we will be free indeed, when am I going to see that in my life? Well, listen, there's hope. Paul gives us hope through two primary words in this text. He gives us the word walk. Walk like several times. And then he gives us a word fruit. These two words signify something. It signifies hope that this is a journey that it takes time that you can't produce fruit overnight. You can't plant a seed and then expect it to sprout the next day. It won't do that. It's something we walk towards. It's a lifelong process in relationship with Jesus. And hear me, as you walk with the spirit, you will become stronger. You will get to a point where the desires of the spirit become stronger than the desires of your flesh. You'll become stronger through the power of Holy Spirit. My friends, hear this. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're stuck. You actually, you tell the enemy that I am not where I wanna be, but I am not where I once was. Amen. Hear me today. Someone needs to hear this today, that you are not defined by your sin. Listen to me, I'm talking to you. You are not defined by your sin, but by the one in who you put your trust. Listen, when Christ secured for you on the cross is freedom from sin. That's what he secured for you. You have victory because your sin has been nailed to the cross with Jesus. And here's what this means for you and me. This is important. If you hear nothing else today, hear this in regards to fighting this battle between your spirit and the flesh. It's this, we don't fight for victory. We fight from 
victory. That is powerful truth. I want to say it again. We don't fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory because we can fight knowing that the war has been won, that Jesus claimed victory for us. And listen, I'm so excited for next week because Pastor Josh is going to walk us through some rhythms and practices that we can create in our lives to help us keep in step with the Spirit, to help us in this daily battle that we find ourselves in. So I don't, I don't want you to miss it. Come next week expectant to hear that as we continue the conversation. But as we close today, I want to end by asking us a question. I think everything we've talked about today really boils down to this one question for you. Now, listen, if you believe the war has already been won, if you believe that Jesus has claimed that victory over the war, and hear me, he has, he has. But if you believe that in your life today, answer this question. What area of your life do you need to claim victory today? What area of your life do you need to claim victory today? Listen, is it a sin you're struggling with? Is it a a pattern of behavior, a cycle of addiction? Is it an unhealthy or abusive relationship? Is it an addiction? What thing in your life is making you feel conquered, making you feel defeated, overwhelmed, like you're not enough? What area of your life do you need to claim victory today? Let's pray. God, you have given us freedom and victory over sin. Holy Spirit, thanks for for stepping into relationship with us, with coming into our lives and walking with us and guiding us. I pray that today we all have stepped deeper into trusting you with not just the small things, God, but with the big things. And I pray that you would make us more aware of your presence. Spirit, that you would would give us strength to, to nail our sins and our struggles to the cross with Jesus. God, and claim victory over every area of our lives. So God, we trust you and we give you our hearts. We give you our full faith. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. in
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no
so grateful for how Holy Spirit invites us into that space of living and thriving, of fruitfulness, where we can overcome the obstacles that are keeping us from knowing the fullness of life that God has for us. I'm so thankful for Pastor Luke's conversation and the invitations that we've heard today. And I'm so thankful that we have gotten to gather together in this way. It's so good when our living space becomes sacred space. But we also know each of us has a next step of connecting more deeply with God, others, and our purpose, of getting together in community and seeing what God does as we interact with and for one another. To find out opportunities for you to take your next step of connection, we encourage you to download the Church Center app. Go to your app store, choose Church Center app, and then select Heritage Church as your home church. When you do that, you'll have access to all kinds of connection opportunities, from letting us know how we can pray with you, to signing up for a group, even interacting with spaces in ways of praying for us and serving on teams together. You'll have opportunities to express God's heart of radical generosity through giving. In fact, I want you to know of some of the things that you have been a part of in these last days just by being part of the Heritage family. We've been able to express radical generosity, authentic love, and hopeful partnership as we've been part of relaunching our expression at the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center. And once again, gathering with the men at that Department of Corrections facility for worship and connection, teaching and engagement. You're part of that. You've also been part of sending a team to the Shiloh Children's Home for really tangible expressions of love and care for the kids there. Beyond that, you've been part of some national and international expressions of love, like launching a leader development conversation in the nation of Haiti that is already bearing incredible fruit. We know that there's 
even more in the days ahead that in the days ahead that God is inviting us into where we can love and serve with for one another and see his kingdom expanded in ways we couldn't even imagine. So thanks for being part of all of that. Again, there's a next step for you. We encourage you to download the Church Center app or go to heritageqc.com where you can find all of that information and so much more. We are praying for you. We're expecting for you as we step into this next season together. We hope to see you soon.